welcome back to a special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 82, and I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm not joined on the line by Lux tonight. Hashtag sad face. Lux is dealing with some family issues, and so Lux is indisposed tonight, and we wish uh, Lux all the best, um, making sure that everyone at home is safe and happy and uh, in good health as much as we can. So our heart goes out to Lux, everybody. Um, however, I have good news for you all. I'm joined by yet another fabulous guest from the Lotus Council. We've had several on already. We had Sona. You guys have met. You've had Fef. And tonight, we're joined and provide a warm welcome for Sebastian, better known as Wow Wow. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Uh, first thing I'm going to do is correct you. Okay. Because you just said Wow Wow again. I did. And it's Wow Wow. You add W's whoa, whoa. in there all the time. There's only two W's and not four. But, when, what, but wouldn't it be so much better to be like, kind of like J-Wow, but like S-Wow? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't think so? You're a I French did. teacher. You should know where my name comes from. I know where you Including the from. French swear word at the end. Yeah, yeah, but... yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. <laughs> I know. Like, we don't tell it to the audience, all right? So You, okay, you can't so do wow-wow and then the swear word. That just doesn't work. Ah, well, we, we could, but yeah, no, you're right. So, yeah, just so you're aware, audience, this is not actually the full screen name that you might have, um, that you might see on, on Twitter or elsewhere in the interwebs, but uh, we're going to call him Wowo and go with that. Uh, or you prefer Sebastian. Wowo's fine. It doesn't matter, either or. All right. Because Lux actually prefers to go by Lux now, and I'm not sure, I, I know what his actual name is, but, like, he actually likes to go by Lux at this point, so I'm like, alright, like, Lux it is. Some, some um, people like that internet name, right? They don't like being, uh... Well, yeah, yeah the anonymity, right? Like, yeah. Like, the, the alter ego of, of, of who you are, so I get I get it, so, uh, I mean, I, I, I just go by Bruce, like, I'm, you know, that's just, just what I am, but... Just uh, who you right. are. That's who I am, I'm grumpy old Bruce, and that's <laughs> So, uh... Let, just so people get a can get a little bit of intro to you, we'll get to, we'll get to more about you and who you are and what all that good jazz in a bit. But let's give people a quick uh, summary of uh, what you where you fit into the magic world because um, they don't recognize your name. So, how do you sum up what you do, and then what do you play? Okay, so uh, I'm of course I'm one of the, f- the five founding members of the Lotus Council. Uh, so if you know me, you probably know me from there. I was also uh, in some some other various various uh, MTG communities and, and other places on Twitch. I've been on Twitch for oh god over nine years now. I think coming up. So Ooh. you yeah, it's been a while. I was like just at the end of where where I changed to Twitch from Justin.tv is when I first started out on Twitch. Oh wow! Now so, you're like you're dating yourself. Yeah, I, I've been around a while. Um, so for essentially for the Lotus Council, I am the not at this point because we've been very busy lately, but I'm the primary streamer. I do uh, primarily MTGA streams for our channel. I do EDH streams once in a while, but it hasn't happened in a fairly long time. I haven't had time to play. Uh, it's been a hot minute for sure. It's yeah, I haven't played in probably seven or eight months at this point. Oof. Life Oof. has been real busy. With my work schedule, it doesn't help either. No, no, I can only, I can well imagine because I know I know you do a lot of traveling for work. So if you're not yeah. home a lot, and, I'm uh, only home twelve days out of every month, so it makes it incredibly tight on time to do everything. 
So I, I hope there there's a pretty good vacation package with your job eventually, or a big payout for like like benefits or bonuses or something like. That's a lot of work. If you're on like, like you're on sixteen days a month, sixteen to seventeen yep. days a month, like that's a lot. Yep. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's part of living uh, working far away. Yeah. For for well, I could for for those who don't know, I am the sole Canadian of the Lotus Council. <laughs> and uh with well, that, you're, the, you're you're the sole Canadian amongst your 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 central five. Yeah, amongst our central five. Yes, of course, because you are Canadian as well. Ah, uh, yes. We got we could have an all Canadian cast tonight. <laughs> exactly. A, is that like the first time? Yeah, it is. Awesome. I mean, we can talk about all this Canadian stuff that the American audience is going to be like what are these bozos <laughs> talking about? Should we just start talking about hockey? We could. We could talk uh, about hockey. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and as most people know, Canada is quite the big, yeah. So for distance wise, like I'm eight hours from, from Bruce, uh, and then I work another like 14 hours, 15 hours North of me where I live. So I'm like miles from Bruce. I think Bruce is closer to like Florida than I am than, than he is to me when I'm at work. <laughs> That's about right. It's, it's a whole other kind. It's a whole other kind. It's like a whole other kind oh, yeah. way. It's so an, it's I, insane. Uh, so just so audience aware, like you're working in Nunavut currently, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So Nunavut being one of our northern territories, uh, up in the Arctic Circle. Um, now I've had the privilege of traveling, so I actually have a sense for just how far it is away. Um, so I climbed on a flight in 2012, and I flew from Ottawa to um, Iqaluit. And then from Iqaluit to uh, a community called Coral Harbor on uh, Southampton Island. Yep. Or to referee hockey or a hockey tournament where I was one of the only three white people in the community. <laughs> yep. Everyone else was First Nations and or or Inuit. So uh, it was, uh, uh, wow, it was remarkable. An experience, eh? Yeah. It was. It was indeed. Uh, and so on the return leg was from Coral Harbor to Rankin and Rankin back to Akaluit. And then from Akaluit, like that's like a full day of travel. And then from Akaluit back to Ottawa to round my trip out. So it took us a week with like two days of travel on either end. So you had two, two days of travel. We were up in Coral Harbor for about four days and then two days home. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, quite the journey. Uh, yes, it is. And it, when you get once you land... It really is like in a whole different country. Like yep. it really is. As much as they might use the same currency as you, like the community, the people in the community probably don't speak the same language. Like I mean, they speak, may speak English to you, but like everyone else is probably communicating in in their like whatever in the Inuit, language. Yeah, yeah, in in, in Inuktitut. Um, yeah. So it's a whole other kettle of fish to say the least. Holy moly! It was. I, I had some culture shock. I'm not gonna lie. Well, you say that, and uh, we. We're talking with one of the, the native Inuit uh, guys that works with us, and he's probably only about like mid twenties, I'd say. Yeah. And uh, we were talking literally about the culture shock of how uh, in, in the northern territories they have a program for the children in high school to get experience and culture in in different aspects of the life. So they can travel for like months at a time. Like I think he went for five months. He went to Burundi in in Africa, Holy all paid all paid for by the government and and the school boards, wow. just so they can learn about like the culture in Africa. 
But like in the lower grades, he did that when he was in grade twelve. Uh, yeah. But like in the grade nines and tens, apparently they go into like Albertas and you know Ontario's and go to Ottawa and stuff for like a couple weeks here and there just to to learn about the culture difference. Yeah, which is pretty substantial, I have to say. Also, I'm also gonna say coldest I've ever been in a hockey rink. <laughs> oh, All right, I bet. So, so um, most of us are accustomed to hockey rinks, even where you are. I bet. Uh, they've got a like they've got a physical plant underneath the underneath the ice surface that helps maintain the ice surface temperature. All right, so like so people even if you so that's why you can have like rinks in Las Vegas and Dallas and Florida. Everybody, in case you weren't aware, uh, those things aren't naturally occurring. There's like an actual plant underneath them, and we use them up here because it makes for very consistent ice surfaces. Uh, and so that is ultimately the best for hockey, right? Well, up north, uh, they don't have a plant underneath their ice surface. It's literally a, a shed on the on on the gravel, and they pour water on it, and and then they Hope get the, the best. Zambonis, <laughs> and then so, well, I uh, no one had mentioned this to me. So my referee bag, I had had like what I would normally wear to work at a rink here. So, ladies and gentlemen, a rink locally here would it be like you know just below the freezing mark, so that the ice stays frozen, but it's warm enough that people can watch and be comfortable uh, and so i and you know generally when i was working games i was working older players so 16 to 21 year olds they're playing hard there's lots of fighting and crashing into each other and and so you're working hard so you you know i tend to not to wear that much additional clothing underneath my uniform underneath my shirt so my referee shirt i usually have like a like a micro fit tee underneath so i would could, could wick away some moisture but that would be about it i'm not wearing sweaters and other stuff um, and I got up north and I put all my stuff that I would normally wear and I was like, oh no, this isn't working. Cause you know what they did to cool the barn down there? Uh, there, there, whoa, whoa. They probably just opened the doors. They opened the side of the barn yeah. and in came minus 20, yep. <laughs> like in came minus 20 air. I'm like, oh no, I was so cold. So and I just, yeah. Something people don't realize as well is. Up there, it's considered a desert, right? There's no trees, there's no bit tall vegetation, there's a little bit of moss on the rocks, and that's it. Yeah. So when, when Bruce talks about cold, this isn't like a humid, damp cold. Yeah. This is bone-chilling dry. Yes. It like, cool. it will, and the wind, because there's no oh, trees, yeah. the wind will whip up, and you'll get 90-kilometer or like 60-mile-an-hour winds. Yeah. Within a matter was, of like fifteen minutes, it was wild. It was the and not to mention I looked at our looked at our accommodations at the Caribou Haunch that lay on the snow for most of the week that we were there, and I'm like, this is a different world right here. Yep, a whole different world. Anyway, yeah. Woo. Talk about a tangent. <laughs> talk about a Canadian tangent right there. It's like yeah. talking about going way up north. Oh man, that's. It was I, I I really enjoyed it and the people were super nice to me up there. I have to say they were very kind and very generous. Um, they invited us so all the teams get this the teams that were in in town for the tournament since there's no hotel in the community right there was no hotel where do you put up six teams with the hockey players for a tournament? <laughs> they put them up in the gym of the of the local school. Yep. So all six teams were sharing the gym and sleeping on the floor, having a camp out. You would never see that at a city. Like the number of times that I've heard of hockey teams having scraps 
at hotels. Yep. Like, uh, like between games is hilarious. Uh, the parents yeah. get it. The parents have a few too many wobbly pops. Um, you know, between games, and they go back to the hotel, and they run into the other team, one of the other teams. The next thing you know, someone says something rude, and it's on. Right. Well, yep. no, all six of these teams shared the shared the 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 gym of the of the school. They had like a cafeteria set up so the boys could eat, and they invited us in as officials. Like, come on in, guys. You wanna <laughs> you wanna like? And so we had like. They had like one night they had like venison stew for us, like uh, oh, caribou nice. stew, which was fantastic and like, like some nice stuff. And they were super generous with us. And so, I mean, I had nothing bad to say about my experience, but it was eye opening to say the least. Holy moly. And I, uh, one of the things I did when I was there, I ended up uh, uh, going into the local school and speaking to a grade six class uh, because I had approached their, you know, a teacher at my school asking if they were, being, you know, might, might be interested in some pen pals. And uh, I went and when I got to the school, the grade six, local grade six teacher uh, said, sure, we'll, we'd, we'd happily do it. So I guess the hockey tournament was in April. And then we had pen pals set up from April through to the end of the school year. And they exchanged letters probably four or five times in those last three months of the school year, which tells me that the kids were all on both ends were really excited about hearing what was going on in the other communities. So it was kind of nice and rewarding in that sense to, to set that up. And like in an authentic sense, right? Like I'm sure everybody can, can relate to like, we're going to write pen pals in like some other school way off in another pro- another state or province. And like nothing really comes of it. But like this time, yeah. like it, it really did. Like it was, it was really well, like both teachers were really switched on. The kids were excited and there was lots of good letters back and forth. So um, it was real, a really, really interesting experience. And, uh, so I don't, I don't know if people have a chance, the luxury of traveling way up North when you get a chance, but, uh, it's definitely worth the, the large expenditure of travel, way, way, traveling way up North to, to see it and check it out for yourself. It is, a, it is a whole different world that no one is, no one in, in Southern Canada or the central United States is, has a experience. So well worth the visit. Agreed. It's definitely something that you should probably do once in your lifetime, even for your, for our American friends, just go to Alaska. You know, you don't yeah. have to come to Canada. Just go to Alaska for a week. Just yeah. see what it's like. Yeah. It's such, such a different experience. All right. Uh, let's get some housekeeping. <laughs> then we'll get on with the show. Cause that was a good, that was a good tangent. Yeah. Uh, later on. Now I got to ask, are you a Leafs fan? Of course I'm a Leafs fan. Oh, <laughs> well, at least yeah. Sucks you. Yeah. I know. Hey, we've been losing since 67. I'm used to losing. That's okay. We've been losing for years, too. We stink. Ottawa blows right now. They're terrible. Can't figure it out. Yeah, at least you, you guys, guys got some good players. Well, Anyways, guys, let... We do make this a completely Canadian podcast. We should actually... Next, next we'll talk about like what, what beer you drink. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, folks, ladies and gentlemen... If you like what you're hearing or you want and you want to hear more, you can go on over to the lotuscouncil.com. That is our home on the internet and there's going to you can catch up all the uh, the podcasts. Every episode is posted there, but you can also catch up on our on deck text or you can find the Discord, which is fantastic and lots of cool people who love to talk Magic the Gathering and with a particular focus on EDH. Uh, so come and check it out. The best part about it, folks, I can't even stress this enough is that it don't cost you anything to join the Discord. That's just free value, folks. You can find, you can talk decks, you can talk strategy, you can talk about finance, you can talk about, you can talk about anything. 
I mean, almost any topic on the on under the sun can get can get discussed so long as you're polite about it. So yep. if you want to talk about what's happening in the world around you, about the local the local mayor is putting new stop signs in at places, talk about that. If you want to talk about you know something else, you want to talk about I don't know. But as long as you're polite, you know, there's lots of great people to have conversations with people all about. So come and check it out. You will not regret it. And you might find Wowo there. You're going to find me. You'll find Lux. You'll find a lot of the people who come and hang out with us here on the podcast uh, in there. Uh, so come and check us out and be part of the community. We'd love to have you join us. And there's lots of good to be had. And all at right. the very least, maybe you'll make some new friends. It's true. It is true. I have to say, I've been very, uh, very blessed with meeting some great new people through the, through the Lowe's Council Discord. Uh, people I never would have thought to talk to on our very own podcast here, which is also something I never thought I'd ever have. So, haha, 82 episodes ago, I didn't think I'd ever have one. Anyway, there we go. Uh, also, reminder, we have a giveaway. So, ladies and gentlemen, over here, I'm just going to reach behind me. I've got a pack of Modern Horizons 2. I don't know if any of you have been paying attention to, I don't know, the finance of, mo of modern these days. This set is pure gas. Pure, unadulterated gas. So, I've got a pack of it sitting right here. You can maybe hear the crinkling of the, of the wrapper. I've managed to resist the temptation of ripping it open. Because I want to give it away to somebody. Alright? So, stick around to the end of the show so you can find out how uh, we, you can be entered for, for uh, a chance to win that pack of Modern Horizons 2. All right, folks, on with the show. All right, so we're going to move on to Garbage or Great. So Garbage or Great, uh, there, whoa, whoa, is um, a, a segment where we go to the randomly generated card feature on Scryfall, and whatever pops up is what we decide if we're going to chat about, whether we think it's garbage or if it is great. And uh, tonight's card is, well, okay, Homicidal Seclusion. From Avacid Restored. It is four to black for an enchantment that says as long as you control exactly one creature, that creature gets plus three, plus one, and has lifelink. Ha! Huh. Alright. So, this one's, I'm going to admit, this is not a, not a solid card. This not is a not, banger. Not a banger, to say the least. Um, do you want, should we talk about the warts on this one first, or do you want to talk about like, maybe how this could be applicable? Well, first off, let's start by saying it's very on theme for Halloween. That is true. And it's which, very... which, which is Sunday. No, for <laughs> sure. I definitely think there's, like, the thematic element of it, like, the fact that, yeah, like, you could play a pretty fun theme deck around Halloween with this sort of card in your deck and do some fun things. Like, there's, and this, and this sort of effect exists on a few other cards, too. Um, there's a few other enchantments that float around that sort of uh, mandate you to have just one creature. Which means if you have a threat that you can protect, either it's got hexproof or is uh, unblockable and is difficult for your opponents to 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 get at, um, either because it's wearing swift foot swift foot boots or or something like that, of that nature, this could be kind of a fun deck to to put together. Um, so something like an invisible stalker or um, what other unblockable hexproofy things are are hard to deal with. Um, maybe a Geist of St. Traff deck or something like that. Yeah. But Geist makes you tokens, right? Oh, uh, yeah, so Geist wouldn't be good. So it's not really... You so, could actually... It could be good in a in an Aristocrats deck, a Sacrifice deck. Yeah, yeah, were you looking to sacrifice the other the, the other creatures and just yep. the one? For value, um, yeah. 
for, for value. So you could maybe do that. Like, so I can, I can build a case where if I want to build a particularly, it would be an interesting deck. I don't think it'd be a good deck, but it'd be an interesting deck. Um, and so I think you're probably leaning into like aristocrats or into like, like a voltron build a scary thing and slap these on the table and just get people. Um, cause the nice part with this is that it wouldn't matter. Like you wouldn't have to pay the re-equip costs on the, on the equipment. Um, you could just sort of leave these out there statically on the battlefield. Uh, I mean, I know it's a pretty big investment, like five mana for do nothing enchantment is a pretty big investment. And so it's what, I mean, we're not playing CEDH with this. This is like, you're doing something funny and goofy with your friends at a lower power level just to see for kicks. All right. But this guard is not purely garbage. Like, I can build a case where that's reasonably convincing that there would be a deck out there that wants this card. Um, now, it's going to be fairly niche. I don't think it's going to be particularly, you know, impactful. But I can see a case for this card being played and actually being reasonably uh, beneficial to somebody on the battlefield. So, obviously the two main downfalls are the five mana oh, and then yes. the, the one creature. Ah, uh, yes. If it said all creatures, and it was five oh. mana, oh. definitely definitely way more playable. Yes. I, however, think this could be a banger in Peasant Commander. Oh, ooh, that's a good idea. You know, that's one thing to b- think about in EDH, is, is how do you, and we'll talk about this later when we get to show and tell, is how do you limit yourself or how do you make an, a deck interesting to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you you do a scryfall random like this, and we'll talk about this, like I just said, more in, in show and tell. Uh, you, you find a card like this and you're like, how, how can I build a deck around this card, right? How can I make this card a feature or, or the, the, the text, uh, the, the premise of the card, something that I can use as a theme for the deck. I think that's a, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, and, uh, because yeah, like how, how can I make this, this text, which looks like it has a drawback actually be a benefit to my deck. Yep. And, and I think peasant commander actually would be a really good home for this where maybe you get into something with a, like a blue black deck with an invisible stalker, which might fit the theme as well. Cause it's again, blue black, um, or maybe you're playing like a block constructed deck, right? So you play, um, like you, you limit yourself in the sense you're only building block from original Innistrad blocks. So Innistrad, yep. Dark Ascension, Avacyn Restored, um, or maybe extended to SOI and to Eldritch Moon. Like, I don't know, but like you could do some interesting things like that and sort of like make this card fit a theme as well to another, give it some more playability. But I like I like that peasant commander. Because you're right, like, that would be a fun way. And this card, at 10 cents, like, Peasant Commander is supposed to be allowing you to play Commander at a very reasonable price point, which is, like, very much on theme for our podcast. So this could be a really nice inclusion with that, too. So, I don't know. Like, I know I know everybody out there in the, in the great wide world is, like, saying, this card is absolute hot garbage. And I would generally agree with you. We're just presenting a situation where you could make use of it, and so it's not purely garbage. But let's be real. In a general EDH game there, whoa, whoa, are you pulling this and sliding this in your deck and saying, yeah, baby, I'm going to get you? <laughs> Absolutely not. 99% of my black decks will not contain this card. 
99%. You're giving it a chance. You're telling me the chance. I just told you, peasant commander, man. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any peasant commander decks myself, but it's definitely not something. Actually, that's a lie. I do. Sona, Sona gifted me a peasant commander deck for Christmas last Ooh. year, so I do have one. Well, so, um, yeah, I, I was thinking, like, yeah, maybe, like, I don't know. Like ninjutsu deck, I don't know. Something, it was, I, actually, I thought ninjutsu too. To be honest, I think that might be that might be something there, um, or that or a Zareth sand deck. Ooh, there's just there's some spicy bits to do with this one. See, I think I I just thought of another way this card could have been better. Instead of saying as long as you control exactly one creature, they could have changed it to like if you attack with only one creature, like an exalted oh, style. Yeah, yeah. That would have made the card a banger as well. It would be a banger. I don't think it'd be. I don't think it'd give you plus three though. Maybe plus two. You might get away with plus two, plus one. But like plus three, yeah. plus one. That's a that's a big pump on that on that on that on the power end, and the life link. Like that's like, I mean, I played this in limited. I have played this card in limited and it actually made it work. Um, and it was it was very very potent. Uh, in that in that in that situation where I you know, but I had I had drafted a deck around this card. Like it was my. It was pick one, pack one out of on a dare, and I built a deck that exploited it and did gross things. So, like, I'm reasonably amenable to the card, um, but uh, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, generally speaking, if I'm reaching for a commander deck, it's not going to have homicidal seclusion in it. <laughs> much as I might, much as I might like to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. That was a good talk, though. Good chat. All right. But let's move on to segment two. Let's talk a bit about you. So. Let's start at the beginning. How did you get into Magic, and when did you? What was your sort of your first sets that you remember uh, opening? Well, I could I could tell you exactly when I started uh, Magic. Okay. Uh, I started uh, when original Innistrad came out, uh, right at the right, like literally the month, probably October. It, it would have been a September set, right? So uh, I I started in October, and uh, I remember I bought. Um, I bought, they had, uh, do you remember the old intro decks they used to make? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the one for World Wake had a Verdant yeah. Catacombs in it. Oh. Because back in the day, they still didn't know the power of Fetchlands. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, I bought the green-black uh, intro deck from World Wake, I think it was. Whatever set was before Innistrad. I think it's World Wake. Um, no, it was definitely from... Um... New Phyrexia, because New Phyrexia was a set right before it. Okay, well, it was okay. Either way, it was that green, uh, green, black intro deck, and then I, I uh, one of the original packs, first packs of Innistrad, I opened. I pulled a Lily. Oh, yeah, wow. I, I had spice right from the start uh, of my Magic career, so it was like, yep, uh, I threw that into the deck, and then I went from there. Uh, I primarily, originally, I primarily played standard and draft, obviously, because that was, for me at the time, easy to get into. Uh, being a university student at the time, building an EDH deck took a little bit of time. Yeah. Nowadays, obviously, I only play pretty much EDH and Magic Arena, but that's yeah. that's that's just because it's convenient. Um, so one of the main decks I remember playing before uh, Forex. Yeah, New Phyrexia rotated out. I was playing uh, a Heartless Summoning deck. Okay. With uh, four Perilous Mirrors, four Mirror Superiors. Uh, it ran four uh, Priests of Urbrasks, 
and then it ran for Haven Ghoulich once Dark Ascension came out. Okay. And you would essentially it was like a, a machine gun. You got you got a Heartless Summoning out, and then you got a Haven Ghoulich out, and then yeah, you could then play Priest of Urbrass continuously to gain a bunch of red mana, and then you could just continuously cast Perilous Mirror and just ping right. them for two all the time. Oh my! Because Perilous Mirror will immediately die to Heartless Summoning. Yeah, Same yeah, thing with yeah. Priest of Urbrask. So yeah, that's what I remember doing that. And then for fun, my sideboard, when that deck didn't work out, my sideboard was Soren Markov and Soren's Vengeance. Nice. So turn six, Soren Markov, drop them down to ten, turn seven to Soren's Vengeance and <laughs> make them yeah. lose another ten life. I pulled it off once and, and I still remember the guy's face was he was just like, well, I wasn't expecting that one. On to game that's three. A, that's, a, that's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it wasn't yeah. a great deck, but it was fun to play. Yeah, I know. I know. That's, the, that, I mean, that's some of the advantages of, of playing those formats. But back in the day when people weren't net decking quite the same way, you could see a random spicy brew and just get them. So uh, I, can, I can relate. I remember playing, uh, I was playing a standard event uh, in, when Kondotark here landed. Okay. Those Theros and Kondotark here, and it was it was like the first it was like was it the first or second weekend of standards. So and and people hadn't finalized deck lists yet, and I had of my own accord come to an Abzan list that was very eerily reminiscent for what tormented standard for the next two years, like <laughs> police main lions and yep. a siege rhinos and things like that. Like so, the deck was very eerily reminiscent of what sort of emerged as being the dominant standard deck of the of, of of the format and i was like wow i thought of that like all on my own like i didn't have i didn't have big brains out there on the internet telling me what deck to play i was just literally like looked at the cards i had in my pool like i had in my my boxes and what i had opened and built myself a deck and recognized i like the siege rhino card this looks kind of silly um and yeah, rode that to <laughs> rode that rhino to victory, a whole bunch of it. So, Seed Rhino is a card I foresee getting reprinted at some point, like um, sooner rather than later. I don't know. I think I think Magic's past Seed Rhino passed. Like I think it's gone right. I think like the power level of a Seed Rhino now in standard, people wouldn't even blink. I really don't think so. Like, look at the stuff that's, that's being, being played right now in standard. And a Siege Rhino wouldn't do enough. At the time, Siege Rhino was hugely impactful. Like a six, a six point life swing. You had a big, big body down on the battlefield with Trample. And, you know, you could do a lot of work with that. But now, I don't know, man. Like, I think the formats are, like, the cards that are coming out in standard these days are almost like, are just eclipse what a Rhino would do these days. So I'm not even sure that Rhino would, would command that much attention. Because, I mean, they, they gave us Abundant Maw, which is essentially a reprint of the Rhino in Eldritch Moon, and it had an, uh, uh, that Eldrazi cost, whatever it was, that was Emerge. It had an Emerge cost on it. And it, it, it went nowhere. And, like, people, had, we've already moved past it into more powerful stuff. So, um, you know, I'm not convinced that Rhino would be any good anymore, although I would love to see it come back and be good, but I'm not sure it is. Even Pioneer's given up on it. Like, bleh, no rhinos, we're done. Well, hasn't Pioneer been given up on by most communities? Um, 
Yes, I would say it has been, but even if, if uh, even if it even if it comes back, and I could see a situation where Wizards decides to reinvest in it, come whenever people decide that it's far more safe to go out into playing uh, in paper at large events. Um, I can see them really investing in a couple of like significant events for for Pioneer. Like it wouldn't surprise me when they open when they when like Wizards puts it back and we have a we have GP Vegas 2025 or whatever if Pioneer doesn't show up at that Vegas tournament as being one of the main events. I really don't. Like I think and you know when when Pioneer comes back to the fore, it's not like Siege Round is going to be nowhere in the picture. Like it's going to be nowhere around. Like we shall see what the future holds. We shall indeed. All right, so I guess you told us what formats you play. Which I is did. The next question. <laughs> so, uh, favorite card? What do you? What? What? what what's your? What's your jam? Okay, so I don't know if I have a favorite card per se. Oh, okay. Because I am, I I have some pet cards. Let's be real; everybody has pet cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of gravitate towards all planeswalkers. I, yeah. I'm a big planeswalker collector. I have okay. two binders that are just planeswalkers, all sorted properly. Nice. Uh, my my pet are EDH they, deck is a planeswalker deck. Are they foily? Are they all foily? Or Not all, all of them. No. Oh. I just I foil them as I go. Not fair. But like I always tell people, you want to sell some cards? You got some planeswalkers? Come see me. No questions asked. You'll get money in the bank. <laughs> uh, I even I even. Put up on card sphere uh i'm i'm buying a hundred copies for now of absent or sword tybalt because i just oh. want to I, I just want to fill a binder with them for fun and be like <laughs> i own the most tybalt out of anybody so if you see calling it now if you see his price spike on tybalt you come back it's and you. look at me you're, dri- you're driving the price <laughs> yeah you're driving that bus on, on bad tybalt oh my goodness <laughs> all right so, would you say maybe Tybalt might be a fave card? No, no, no. He's oh, just okay. he's just a, a meme card that oh, I'm okay. collecting. Okay. It's like okay. uh, I I don't know if Sona talked about it ever on the podcast how he collects moss monsters from. Uh, no, he hasn't mentioned that one to me. I think that's from Legends, I believe. Moss monster. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's got like something like 200 copies of it at this point. Good lord, <laughs> good lord. What would you yeah. do with 200 copies of? Moss monster. He uh, he, glo- he just keeps them around. He gave, I, I he gave us all one with our Christmas present this year, uh, oh. or well, last year I should say. But yeah, he just everybody has a card that they like collecting. I uh, when when what was it when original Theros actually rotated out? There was a guy when I was went to the LGS. He had uh, the oversized uh, clear sleeves. Yeah. And he sleeved his whole deck in foil Biden of Thassa's. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had 60 foil Biden of Thassa's and he had like behind every single one of his cards in his deck. It was the most hilarious thing I've ever seen done. Good grief. <laughs> it was absolute gold. It was so much fun to see. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness! I, All right. I don't know if he was hoping for a price spike on them or something, but yeah, it was just absolutely hilarious. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of Biden and Thassa's. Um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, like, I've, people ask me this card, too, like, this question, too. Like, what's my fave card? And I always keep coming back to the same thing. Like, my fave card is Villainous Wealth. There's no, no doubt fair. about it. Is your um, name Jeremy Knoll? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> but uh, he, and I, he and I have a common love for the card. And so, uh, no, so Villainous Wealth. I have a commander deck that is Sultai only so I can play Villainous Wealth. I'm not going to lie. It is... Uh, it is high on my favorite card list as well. Oh, Every yeah. salt eye deck is a villain as well. Yes. Wh whether whether it belongs in the deck or not, you find a place for it. Uh, yar. <laughs> All the yeah. yars, because that card is hilarious. It's just fun. Oh, and when it's you just watch, fun. when you watch their face like just drop, you like, yes, uh, I'm going to villain as well for you. For uh, so I was playing on stream with uh the guys from the guardian project podcast okay and i cast my villainous wealth for 17 because uh my villainous wealth deck does one thing very very well it puts a whole lot of land into play as it should uh and then i proceeded to copy it with an insidious uh insidious dreams oh, no insidious dreams insidious insidious will insidious okay will. yeah so i copied it so I ended up getting one guy for 34 cards. <laughs> and he's like, you've got to be kidding me. And it was like a five-color dragon's good stuff deck. And I'm just like, yeah, all of it. I am playing all of it. And he's like, oh my goodness. So the only thing I would recommend is that you don't play it too much when you're playing over webcam. Because it's kind of hard to keep it all straight when you, they're not in front of you. But anyway. Yeah, any, any, that, any card like that is incredibly hard to play on webcam. Yeah. But it's but it is funny. So oh, absolutely. Uh, so I always say my favorite card is villainous wealth, and any to anybody who will ask. So <laughs> all right, what if they don't ask, oh, I'm gonna tell them anyway. Okay. If you're on Twitter, you might see me like just sort of shoehorn it into a conversation. I'm like, did you include villainous wealth? And they go, I'm playing Naya. I can't play. I'm like, what? You're playing the wrong colors. Then. Yeah, you're so, playing the wrong colors. Play play uh, villainous wealth. Play villain as well. All right. Um, do you have a card <laughs> you tilt out most against? Oh, a card that I tilt out to. Oh, I should have prepped this one. Um, I don't like Leyline of Anticipation. I'll be honest. Oh, really? I, when, okay, it's fine if I have it. It's not fine if you have it. Uh. I Because... Usually, well, if a deck is playing Leyline of Anticipation, you're and <laughs> you're dying to it, because, and especially if you're like, if you're the player that plays right before the player playing with Leyline of Anticipation, you're guaranteed that your stuff is getting countered, and, and their shenanigans going to go on every single turn on your yeah. turn. You're, you're and right. if you're playing, and if you're playing with a group that you know. For example, my my old play group, we we didn't they didn't have the best built decks to be honest. Like a lot of them were were fairly noobs, and like there was not a lot of interaction. So like if you played a counters deck, you got to control the board. You got to decide who did everything because usually nobody else really had anything they could do. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I see it. I mean, I'm just thinking I'm the guy who puts the Leyland of Anticipation in the deck. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I want that. I want that card. I uh, I have one in one of my decks as well, like in my uh, in my uh, Lotus Council, uh, Lotus Council, lo in my Lotus God uh, 
draw counter burn deck. Okay. But I have a Leyline of Anticipation just because it's fun to like cast a uh like which card which fireball isn't uh instant. Anyways, one of the fireballs that isn't an instant, it's it's fun to cast that for, at sorcery speed right before your turn. I think, I think by default, fireball is a sorcery, so fireball? You're right, fireball. I would do it right there. Yeah. Uh, um, no, so, for yeah. sure. Like, I, can, I, can, I can see why you, why you tilt out to, to, to ley line. I can see it. Um, it's like, like Vidal Canori. It just results in, like, you know something broken is happening, and you're like, I can't stop it. Because it happens at, at at any moment of the game now, and I'm well and truly skunked. That brings up a, a, another point where, um, not necessarily tilting out, but and you could probably ask this later on in your in your list of questions if ever you you talk to any other people, Bruce. It, are there cards that you just don't put in a deck because you're like tired of them? Um, even though you may know they're good. You know, like for for me, for example, I don't put Avenger of Zendikar in my decks anymore. I, I've gotten tired of playing it. It's just like, oh, okay, I'll drop this big meaty seven drop, get all these plant tokens, play a bunch of lands. You know, it just it just seems yeah. like a, a bit too much rinse and repeat for me at this point. I can, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any, huh, any card I'm tired of. Um... There's cards that I probably have that I'm that I'm probably like, I guess I'm not sure I like I don't want to play, but I I look at the board state and I look think of my how my opponents look at me, and like I'm a big believer in in building a cooperative like experience a co- collective experience. Doesn't mean I want to cooperate with my opponents, but I want them to I want the experience to be beneficial for everybody. Because you know what, like I'm a dad, I don't get a ton of time to play Magic the way I once did. Yeah. Um, and so when I do play, I want it to be fun. So I might have a really dirty card in hand and like by dirty, I mean like, like, like scruffed up or anything, but like a card that does something pretty heinous on the battlefield and I might sandbag it because I was like, ah, I would rather lose this game than like just make the table salty with me doing this. Um, and I have it in there for like those games where you end up playing since somebody and you're like. Like they're they're playing at a higher power level, and you like you just need a like that silver bullet to 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 finish it and and steal that win. I'll use the example. Crater Hoof Behemoth probably is one of those cards that fits this bill. Uh, like I could if I'm got a deck that's swarming all over the battlefield, and I got a, I got a, a Crater Hoof in hand. Like I may sandbag it and just say like eh, I'm okay not winning tonight. Like let's have somebody else have a go if they can answer my giant pile of tokens. Um. But then there been other oh, nights where, like, there's other nights where you're playing people, like, some of the people on the, on our Discord here, um, when they set stuff up, that you know that if you give them another turn, you're dying. Yeah. So, it's now or never. So, throw down, and here comes here comes the hoof. So, I mean, so it depends, I guess, on who I'm playing with. And so, Crater Hoof is something, I don't think I'm tired of playing it, but I definitely, like, I don't immediately auto-jam it and, like, slam it on the, on the battlefield, even though I could win the game right there. Like, because... Again, I'm looking to build that that experience with everybody and make the game fun. Instead of everybody like, oh, you huffed me for, and all your things are now 12-12s with trample, and all right, game's over. Like, yep. which isn't fun, right? That's just not yep. a fun play experience for everybody. So I, I kind of get your point. But I'm not sure of anything I, I actively avoid building with. Because um, I don't think I'm just there in my collection yet. Um, That's very fair. 
Like my like you you have a, a, a quite a few probably less decks than I have right now. Well, I got twenty five, so I'm not sitting here on. Oh, okay, yeah, you have a fair bit. But like, I definitely look at some of the cards, and I'm like, but like, I don't have a force of will, right? I don't. Like, I have zero force yep. of wills. Like my my my, I have I play foil instead of force of will because foil can be a free spell sometimes, like not often, like never, but you could. <laughs> yep. Um, and so I that's that's my alternative. I you know I don't play mana drains. I play like arcane denials, that sort of stuff. Like so, I definitely like there's definitely higher end pieces that I don't run. Um, but I've sat down with people who do play those cards, and I can hang and beat them and and get the better of them um, as often as not because what I've traded for in in terms of like raw power level of my cards. I make up for in having done additional research and spent more time crafting my deck. So like what yep. I think of a deck is done. It's like, it's, it's pretty done. Like it's, it's right. Like there may be some upgrades to it, but it's pretty well done. I've thought about a lot to go into the deck. That's why I'm probably slower than many to build a deck. Uh, the last deck I built was over the summer. I built a Maha Redigard protector deck and, um, which is where I was just talking about the hoof because like I ha- the the deck literally goes insane and you have a hoof in hand you're like well here's the thing here's how here's my get out of jail free card um, but uh, like I, I really had to think hard about what effects I want in the deck to make the deck you know really hum and so like so I think I probably build them more slowly than many people right there I hear people who build them in a weekend and I'm like what do you mean like you tear apart a deck on Thursday, build it Friday, and play it Saturday? Like, no. Like, that's not happening. Like, my deck... Like, I'm... Right now, the deck I'm building currently is a Slogurk deck. That's going to take me probably between now and Christmas to acquire all the pieces for it, get it all set up, and then sleeve it up and have it set to go. Well, and that's the difference, too, is a lot of the people that build a deck in the weekend, they build it with the cards on hand, right? It's not like they're going out and they're buying 12, yeah. 20 cards. Um yeah. One thing like that you were talking about about like power level and kind of stuff that I like to to, to tell people when they first get into EDH or, or you know uh, they're first getting into Magic period a fifty dollar uh, Goblin Elf Wizard deck whatever you want to play like can outblast the five thousand dollar Super Tune deck any day of the week you know you don't need to have the two hundred dollar Mana Drain or whatever in your deck to have fun and be able to win. But yeah, no, I'm Lux and I like hammer on that regularly here on the podcast. I'm like, any most times, like our deck that we put up on as our sort of our deck tech for the week is exactly that. It's something to get you in in at the table and get you playing at a modest price point, so you're not shelling out big dollars for decks, um, and just get you at the table having fun because you know you're right. Like I've I have literally been playing a game like one of the guys was on a precon and everyone else was on playing something at a significantly higher power level. And who came out with the win but the pre-con. Yep. And we're like, wait a second. How did this happen? And that's but that's something good, where Wizards that's something where Wizards is stepping up well, in my opinion, and building yeah. these pre-cons to not oh. necessarily a higher power level, but a uh They're, a better interaction. Like, you know, a better yeah. level interaction throughout the whole game for the deck. You're not getting yeah. to the middle of the game, you're drawing a card, and it's like doing opposite to what's going on on your battlefield right now agreed no i think i i think i just, I just sort of describe it as being like the consistent game plan is more coherent absolutely um 
and I think that's really has really has improved. Cause like I can like think about when I bought like my Canadian Tiros deck, and like it's kind of a hot mess. Like there's stuff in it. I'm like, why is this in the deck? Yep. Where you know you then turn it around and like you that new uh, black blue zombie deck with Will Helt, I think his name is. Like that thing mm-hmm. is cooking with gas. Or like, uh, the Rogues deck that came out with uh, yeah, Kaldheim, yeah. was it or something like that? Like, no, Sona- it was with uh, Zendikar Rising with N one. Oh yeah, that's it. Yes, last year, uh, Sona played that against me one time on on uh, in the in the Discord, and he had only threw in like two or three more rogues from Zendikar Rising, I think, and it yeah. just destroyed us. It, yeah, it just, when yeah. a deck is su- like a deck gets tuned coming out of the box, it'll do great. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Oh, actually, that's good. That's a good conversation. A like, good talk about a whole bunch of different things. There. It's really good. Um, so let's come back to the Lotus Council. So uh, I I know we asked Feff, but sort of let's get your take on it. What was the genesis of the Lotus Council? Where did the idea for this 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 now? I guess you guys are we're all like the Lotus Council is like a year and a half, almost on a year and a half old now. So yep. Um, so where did the genesis of the Lotus Council come from? Well. Uh, I don't know how much Fef told you because I didn't listen to that podcast, but, uh, we were all part of another community and, uh, there was some, we'll say shenanigans going on. Let's call it drama. Can we call it drama? We call it drama. We call it drama. drama. I'm fine with that. And, uh, essentially me, Fef, Sona, and Coert were all fairly high up in the in the rankings of this community. I was there for god almost 5 years I think. I've gone through like many name changes with this community and stuff. Uh so I was there for a while and and I had just gotten to a point where I was fed up of what was going on. The the person in charge had changed. So I had enough and I was at the time really good well at the time I still really am good friends with Fef. And, uh, we just kind of started talking and we were like, well, what if we make a community that's for everybody essentially, and like, uh, try to include as many of the community as possible to make it like, not necessarily we're the boss kind of thing to make it like, well, make it a community. We wanted it to be a good community instead of just being one or a couple guys at the top doing all the deals. Uh, so then we, we included, uh, Coert and, and Sona in this, and they were immediately on board. They thought it was a fantastic idea. And then David, uh, initially I had brought him on just as being like the judge kind of guy and being like the guy that knows all the rules, you know, for wizards and whatnot, just being like, a uh, uh, how do I, how would I put that? Kind a of like resource. A, a yeah, resource. A, a, yeah, generally a resource. And then we ended up including him into the five and making it a, a, a 20% deal across the board. And then from there, it's just grown to everybody else. And like people ask sometimes like, Oh, you guys have like eight moderators in your channel in the discord. Yeah, we do because not everybody is there all the time and having a vast number of people, including like five of us that run the thing gives a lot of people a fair chance to voice their opinions because not everybody's the same. And if there's a problem with somebody, we could easily remove them or, or, you know, do what we have to do with them, but not have one guy making the decision. Anything for anything for us, for the, for the, for the council has to be a majority vote. 
if we don't have majority, it doesn't go through. Cool. Um, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very good system, and if more people were to go by the democratic system, I think it would be good. Uh, well, I, um, we're preaching to the choir here. I mean, I think yep. the, the the decision making model um, ends up representing the voices of more of the community than. Uh, if it was just one individual making the choice. And considering that the Lotus Council, I think, has and continues to be a place where people can, uh, you know, come and enjoy from all over the place. And there's also yep. all sorts of people. Uh, I think there's, what, 150 users in the group or something like that? Is that, is that right? Yeah, I think we're hitting a wrong uh, uh, Discord itself has. I don't know, man. I lose track all the time. Yeah, it's hard to, like, even at this point, I'm just like, duh. I'm looking look, yeah, at there's 133 offline, then some students at 21. We're so at 182 like, members. Yeah, which is, that's a, like, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who, um, who are, you know, and having, and from, from all over the, all over the All place. sorts of walks of life. It's, yeah, so. it's really nice to see. It is. It's really, it is really refreshing. So I, I do appreciate that. And, Giving everyone a chance to have their, you know, be represented through some capacity, I think is good. And if I also think, I'll be honest, like as as someone who's not as part of your central five, uh, I appreciate the fact that you know you guys are all approachable. That if there's a problem, that it'll be I, we can voice it and people like, take it seriously and don't just blow it off as being no big deal. Uh, it may doesn't mean that it's going to get acted upon, but like the chance to air my concern or my grievance uh, is nice to have and know that people are going to listen to it. Again, may not happen right away, but yeah. people, people, you know, will listen. And, and, and that's, that's, that's one thing I will vouch for is, is saying that if ever somebody does have a problem, whether it be with somebody else in the discord or, you know, even if it's not in the discord related to the discord, if, if you do need to talk to one of us five or one of our moderators, message them, like voice your concerns and it'll be brought to us in some way, shape, or form. And like like Bruce said, if we don't act on it, we may not. But at the end of the day, we'll probably if if we don't act on it, we'll we potentially may even just send you a uh, a DM. You know, just being like, "Hey, we hear you. We we understand what you're go like what's going on, but we can't like it's not our place, or you know, we can't act on it, or yeah. you know, well, let us yeah. let us investigate more." For sure. So I think that sort of addresses sort of like what's the best part of those councils. So yeah, like absolutely. That, that that the angle of like that that people can have have a voice there, so to speak, and and it does get does get listened to, uh, and as opposed to some others that are set up more of a you know a single single person sort of in charge or and you know delegating out responsibilities to handle it. It's like the five of you have come together and built this this community, and so that's that is better. What is the but what is the hardest part of it on the other end? Like what is the hardest part to having this community now that you fostered um, that you now have um, to deal with in the long term? Oh boy, I, this is another question I should have honestly thought about. Um, a lot of it right now, I would say one of the hardest parts is is, is fine. Everybody has their own schedules, right? Yeah. And it's it's a lot for. It's not an easy thing because we're managing like. You got a website, we got a Twitch page, we got YouTube. We do like podcasts with you, for example. Uh, some of the guys play EDH with other people. You know, it's, it's, 
it's not easy to be there all the time. And I think that's probably the hardest part is a lot of us would love to be there all the time. You know, I love to be streaming every single day that I'm home, but that's, it's just not realistic. No. And, and like everybody, but me, well, I, I say everybody, but me and David, uh, like Sona, Coert and Fef, they're all parents, you know, and you, Bruce being a parent <laughs> with yep. multiple children, it's, you know, it's not easy. You got to nope. find a 15 minutes here and there to, you know, go to the bathroom without them bothering you. You, you record this podcast a little bit late at night because they're in bed now, you know? Yes. And everybody has day jobs. It's not like we're, we're doing this, uh, at this point to make any money. As a career. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, there's no money to be made. <laughs> well, there is, that's the thing. There is money to be made, but you got to be really good at what you do. And as like. It's going to sound bad to say, but as a five sum, it becomes a lot harder for us to do that because it's not one person making all the money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You split, you split a small pot five ways. It's five small pots and nobody yeah. really comes out ahead, but we're not in it. We said right from the get go, we weren't in it for the money. Uh, being, being self-sufficient was our main goal. And a year and a half on, I can, I can say that we are very much self-sufficient to the point where we are looking at, you know, trying to expand our margins to a certain extent, if oh, if that cool. that makes sense, yeah. Like there will be there will there'll be an announcement soon about like we're going to be selling. Well, I'll just may as well say it. We'll be selling probably a box of collector boosters. You know, how we usually sell uh, packs and, and boosters for box. Yeah, breaks. the the, bo the the box openings, right? Yeah. So, like for once, loaded the Lotus Council has like is able to buy a box straight up beforehand. You know, and just wow. like keep it on the shelf and sell it as we go, which is not something that we were able to do beforehand, which is really nice. No, that, that's that's but, great. You guys, yeah. yeah, that's a year and a half in, right? But we're not here to make money at the end of the day. Everything we make goes back into the in, into either the community or into the into the setup. You know, web hosting fees and who knows yes. what, right? Yes, like, I, it's I not, understand. As, as someone who runs a podcast, I understand there's a fees associated with all these things. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> let me assure you, their audience, um, I'm, the podcast ain't making any money either. So <laughs> <laughs> I've done 82, 82 weeks of charity. So <laughs> hey, we all got to start somewhere. I'm having fun though. I enjoy, as I was telling, as I said before, many people, I just enjoy what I I enjoy the chances to, to on a weekly basis sit down and talk to Lux or to somebody else and about about the game and things that we like. To, I like to do and. Um, it's kind of like, um, it's like kind of like having an LGS without having an LGS where, you know, yep. I just I sit down and just talk with, with someone about magic and I think it's I have a chat awesome. for an hour or whatever. Yeah. Maybe more than an hour. Nah, <laughs> so, look, we've been on a lot of tangents tonight. We're two hey, French hey. Canadians. These people should learn early hey, on that we like to hey, talk. Yeah. I I <laughs> 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 I'm not a French Canadian. I just peak. I just. French. Um, yeah, you uh, teach in French, and you live right near the Quebec border. Okay, yeah, these, these are true facts. But, <laughs> uh, anybody from Quebec would not speak, call me like a French Canadian. They'd be like, "No, if, I might pass as a Franco Ontarian, might." Well, yeah, might, you have but to, you, but I don't think I really would. There's, there's a lot of people that speak a lot worse French than you that pass yeah. for Franco Ontarian. Really? Dude. Oh, absolutely. And they're I mean, primarily from the Ottawa Valley, so, you know. 
Oh, right, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, well, have any, the good thing is, I know where people listen from. There's nobody at Hawksbury listening to us right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> listening to us right now. I had to take a dig at Hawksbury there, but yeah, Ugh. sorry. The Fringlish is strong down there. Oh yeah, it's strong. All right, um, where do you think you see the, t- uh, the learning? The, not the learning channel. The learning <laughs> castle in, uh, in in one year, maybe like two years, like when, in five years out. Five uh, years um, is a long way. I five years is a long way. In a couple years, you know, I personally, I'd like to see us grow more. Um, on the website and and generally like in viewership obviously but that's like all stuff that everybody you included could dream for right oh yes um i can vouch that we're not going anywhere anytime soon we have no intention of leaving uh so we'll probably just keep chugging along doing our thing um we 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 have some plans for the future whether those plans uh become to fruition or not is a different story because we tend to be a little uh, over overzealous sometimes, and, and have our eyes a little bit bigger than yeah than what our I mouth can, can handle. Yeah, yeah, I can but understand that. That that's part of life, right? If if you don't set yourself some goals, and and try to aim for something a little bit bigger than where you are at, you never you're never going to get to bigger than where you're at. This is this is true. These are true facts. Um, you need a goal and it's better to shoot high and then miss by a little bit than to not have tried anything. Yep. If you don't try, you, there's 0% chance of succeeding. Exactly. Whereas if you do try, even if you fail, at least you could say you tried. Yep. Wayne Growski. Oh, Wayne. <laughs> Back can to more, can we get a little more Canadian right there. <laughs> if there's 100% of the shots you don't take. Thanks, Wayne. God, I wish my lease would listen to that once in a while. Oh, uh, they're all passers, dude. They're all passers. Yeah, I, we're not going to get back on the hockey tangent. Maybe I'll talk to you about it after the podcast, but... Uh... <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so uh, a separate point. Uh, when you aren't playing Magic, what do you like to do? If you have time if you have time off, and and uh, what, other th- what other interests do you have? Okay, so, uh, well, I have a nice big Jeep that I like to... Uh, Use often. <laughs> that, that I can attest I've seen it. Then, 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 actually, it's bigger than when you've seen it. Oh. Because it's had a three inch lift and now it's on 35 inch tires. Oh, um, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that cost me a couple pennies. Um, so I like to use that and I, I'm a big fisherman. So I tend to be out in the bush a lot in the summer specifically because I don't, I, you know, for a guy that works up in Nunavut, I don't like the cold. <laughs> um so well, see, I, like there's cold and there's cold and like yeah up at noon of it it's 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 cold it's a different type of cold yeah um I like but i up in noon of it, i don't have to worry about going outside because my entire workplace is one giant building oh, really? so i never get cold except for like the f- five minutes it takes to walk to the airplane and back mm. um right. so other than like fishing in the summer in the winter, I primarily stay indoors. Uh, I've gone back into model trains lately, which, oh, you know, cool. all of you guys listening are, are Magic fans, and you guys know how expensive Magic is. Oh, trains are worse. Well, they're not... I uh, wouldn't say they're worse, but they're on okay, an equal okay. level. Okay, fair enough. Okay. I've, I've, they're, I've they're, Magic. Yeah. They're, they're not, not Magic, cheap, Magic but bad. they're not cheap, but, you know... 
Uh, the one nice thing about trains that is, is comparable to magic is the resale value is absolutely still there. Uh, oh, good. yeah. Like if I was to buy, let's say an engine, you know, like I just bought a SD 40 dash two, uh, Ontario Northland scheme, uh, for all of you that's irrelevant, but you know, it is where it is. And like, I, I just paid $200 for it. Right. Yeah. Well, if I was to resell it, I could easily resell it for $200, even though oh, it's mine. Nice. Like, even if I was to use it nonstop for a year, there's, I could still probably sell it for like $120, $130 after that. Well, that's okay. That's, so, that yeah, means, like, I mean, yeah. and the same thing goes with like, fre uh, like freight cars, right? Like, you know, your, your box cars and your auto racks and whatever it is, the resale value is there, stays there as well. Well, that's cool. I, I mean, my father's into model boats, and so he actually builds crafts that will like will that are remote controlled, and you can put out in the water, and they and you can sail them. Yeah, that's so can, that's a dope hobby. I, I that's something that if I was better in in material arts, that I would be doing. <laughs> yeah, so my my so my, I, can, I can appreciate the, the the interest in the trains, um, because it's sort of the same sort of vibe of like being interested in that mechanical make it work sort of thing i can I kind of i kind of get the appeal kind of yep. get the appeal all right and then uh we have a question so what's the coolest place you've ever visited or would like to visit so um i had the luxury of going to europe when i was in grade 12 yep. in, in a school trip and i i really enjoyed rome you know there's there Ooh. i'll admit there is a f ton of people there like, uh, yeah. especially when you go in tourist season, which is when the school went, obviously, uh, yes. there, there's a lot of people, but Rome is, is incredibly gorgeous. It okay. is like, it's really what people like make it out to be. Nice. I, I mean, I spent a year living in Europe, I was living in Scotland. Yeah. And so I had a number of friends who went to Italy, uh, on, cause you could get a flight from from Glasgow to Rome or to Milan or to, you know, wherever else, uh, reasonably affordably on Ryanair or one of the many um, discount airlines. And uh, a lot of people said like it was, it was like the, the sites were spectacular, but the city was also so large and so crowded that it was also really dirty. Yeah, that's, that's a big problem. Yeah. yeah. People are dirty. And then it was hot. And yet we're Canadian, so like <laughs> our idea of hot is not the same as other people's. But like when it's like April and it's already 27 degrees Celsius, to us that's hot because April here we're still wearing winter coats because yep. you know it's April and yep. spring isn't here yet. I know some of you in Texas, spring comes in February, but in, here in Canada, <laughs> it's April. And we're still wearing winter coats because you can still get snow. Um, and we, <laughs> speaking of snow in the summer, for all of you Canadian folk, if there are any listening, um, oh, a few. It's a few. It snowed. Actually, it'll probably be more surprising to the American people. It snowed in my town on July first once. <laughs> <laughs> Moving oh, on. <laughs> Oh, that's sad, isn't it? Like, oh, like, it, it, and so, like, just so people are aware, Canada, like, July first is Canada Day, and that's a big party. And usually, we're all at the cottage, we're out, you know, uh, having barbecues and stuff, just like everybody else. 
But when it snows, that gets kiboshed. Yep. Of. I believe it was July 1st, 2001, I want to say. Oh my goodness. I believe. Yep. Anyways. All right. Some rapid fire questions for you. All right. Return of in-person play. I'm a You're fan gonna... as long as it's done safely. Yeah, me too. Do you think we're gonna be think gonna be safe enough when Star City Games got that big event in Vegas and you know at, at the end of November? I think that's gonna be a good experiment, and and uh, we'll we'll see what the results hail. I, I know agree. there was I... just there was a GP Chicago this last weekend, wasn't there? No, I don't think so. SCG Con, I think, is the first real big one that's coming up. There, I know there. I know for a fact though, there was an event in in Chicago, because yeah, yeah. I seen on Twitter there were some Magic Judge judges talking about mm. uh, being back at an event for the first time in a year and a half or whatever. Cool, that's cool. So yeah, like I know like, SCG Con's coming up. Face to Face has got an event in Toronto this coming weekend. Okay, um, cool. There's. I know, but the big ones, the big ones in Vegas at uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see. I'll be interested to see what that looks like because that'll be, I imagine, the first truly big event. Yep. Uh, and we'll see what that, that how that looks like. Yep. Um, pineapple on pizza. Uh, absolutely. And I seen a uh, a meme on I believe Facebook yesterday. Uh, a guy made a pizza out of entirely pineapple. So he, oh. so he dried pineapple and blended it up in a magic bullet to make like a, a, a pineapple flower, if you will. And then he used <laughs> pineapple juice in the dough. To, so it was like pineapple juice and pineapple flour. And he probably added other ingredients to make it like yeah, actual yeah, doughy. Yeah, yeah. He added uh, like a, a, a mushed up pineapple as a sauce. And then he just put like straight up pineapple rings on top. It looked pretty good. Not gonna lie. I mean, I'm actually kind of in. I'm into that. That sounds good. Did you put some cheese on top too? It's like it's got to have some cheese. I can't remember. Oh man, that'd be some. That'd be that'd be really good with like the pineapple slices and the mozzarella melted on top. I'm, yep. I'd be in. Yep. All right. So Theft was. We were talking about poutine, and Theft was a big fan, but Lux had never heard of poutine before. So really? I'm assuming. Uh, since you are also a of Canadian oh. heritage, poutine, it's not even absolutely a with bacon. Oh, bacon. I, I'm a, I'm a, okay. So I'm a big bacon boy. I bacon, I'll eat every day, any day of the week. Salty um, candy. Eh? Right. salty candy. I understand. Well, yeah, you say that in, in, in university, I was known for as the candy bacon King. Oh I, yeah. I literally oh. made candy bacon. The first four weeks of of university in my third year, I think I went yeah. through eight pounds of bacon making candy. That's a lot bacon. of bacon, dude. It's a lot of bacon. Look, I How's didn't. Your heart? Eh? How's your heart? Fine. I just had an ultrasound this week on it. I can hundred percent guarantee it's fine. Nice. <laughs> nice. So I. So what is my favorite topping for poutine? Um. Hmm. I think it was like regular old poutine, man. Like, but I, I'll be honest with you: the poutine in Ontario, at least locally here, is not good. Okay, hey, well, hold on. Here's the question: mm. fries or fries? Right? Let's be honest. French fries. Obviously, there's different kinds. You know, you get your McDonald's fries, you get your your big and crunchy fries, you get your 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 yeah. soft ones, whatever. 
Fries are French fries. Now, when it comes to gravy, yeah, yes, gravy is is the big kicker, the main the main big kicker. You need to use proper beef stock gravy. None of this chicken gravy, no veggie gravy. Sorry, vegans. It needs to, or vegetarians for that matter. It needs to be beef gravy. It needs to be a rich dark brown beef gravy. I don't agree. I think it's got to be. It's got to be. I guess I guess I think I prefer the 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 chicken gravy the the the, the softer brown like the because because uh, I'll be honest with you the best poutine I've had is in Quebec. So yes. I spent in, in the summertime I work at a summer camp uh, in north of Mont Tremblant. Yep. And the, the small town that that is that services our camp uh, we're about three kilometers from the town, so it's not a big deal for me to hop in the car and drive into town and go get a poutine. And the best poutine I have had is at this the the, the small cast crudes they have in town, and they all they don't use the the deep dark beef stock gravy. They're using like a chicken gravy. And it's, if and it's, it's a chicken gravy, these cascrutes are probably going to lose their license. Not going to lie, not really, really, but you know, not really, no, but like they should. It is like it is written in. In Quebec literature, that you shouldn't. Once again, an exaggeration, but you should not use chicken gravy. I, I think it's, what they've what they've taken to using is like the Saint Hubert sauce. Yeah, that's. I get it. It's a brown gravy. It's not the right. Like it's just not good. I don't know, man. I like. I. I okay. I'm a big fan of it. Now here's here's the kicker for you: cheese curds or shredded cheese. Oh, cheese curd. Shredded cheese is shredded cheese is dirty. Okay. Don't do that. Okay, we're fine. Okay, at least oh. at least you passed that test. No, no, no. <laughs> and it's, and the squeakier the the squeakier the cheese curd the better. Well, that's just because it's fresh. Well, yeah, you want the fresh stuff. I had a friend from from Britain when I tried to explain poutine to him. He's like, cheese curd? That yep. sounds gross. And I'm like, what? What? No. Essentially, so for all those who don't know cheese, all cheese curd is is a non-compressed block of cheese. That's all it is. Essentially, cheese curd is the large chunks of cheese that, that form when you're making cheese. Mm-hmm. And when you get a block of cheese in, you know, in, in, the, in the supermarket, whatever, all it is is compressed cheese curds together. Yeah. That's all it is. I'm a big fan of cheese curd. Now, I do have to say, my time in Britain was disappointing because they don't do poutine. Obviously they do chip, not. They do, they do chips and cheese and curry sauce. An Indian an Indian style poutine. Yes, except for the fact that curry sauce is not nearly as good as the gravy. Well, obviously, but it, it's like people that do uh, like a, an Italian poutine with with like meat uh, marinara sauce. You know, yeah, it's not it's not a, a traditional poutine, but it's a version of a poutine. Yeah, it's like people that do breakfast poutines. You know, you you, you do oh uh, the Hollandaise. You do hollandaise sauce, sauce exa- exactly. You do uh, like a hollandaise sauce, and then you could put like, uh, you know, sh- uh, scrambled eggs on it if you want. You do like chunks of ham, um, whatever. Have else. you had that? And is it any good? I don't like eggs, personally, yeah. so I haven't. Uh, and that's I'm the reason I don't have it. Pretty but... out on it, I think. On the whole, I'm out. That doesn't sound appealing. Hollandaise sauce. That's like one thing on my my eggs Benny, but I'm not sure I want on my on my poutine. Mm. Some people like it. Mm. Some people can be wrong. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so, um, thoughts um, on changes to competitive play? 
what changes? Well, this was a few little while ago because we asked this to Fef, but at the time they they had changed like the, like the worlds like they just oh, had, like the last yeah. time this like last time they're gonna have worlds the way that we used to have it like the pro tour we don't know what the pro tour is gonna look like <sighs> going forward um like how disappointed are you like incredibly I don't know if you just heard me audibly sigh there yes bring back the old pro tour bring back yes! the old way of doing it. That old like, pro tour was fantastic. I love watching the go ahead, pro tour. Have have qualifiers. Mm. Have tournaments where you can gain points. You know, have just a simple pro tour. Have people go in, play their decks, come out. I like uh, obviously the the different aspects of playing sealed. You know, standard, modern, whatever the hell they play. But like. What is with this, you know, oh, they got to accrue this many points, and then there's this many invited people, and, like, it's like, I'm going to bring up hockey. It's like saying you, you're going to pick the top 15 teams in the league, they're going to go to the playoffs, and, oh, randomly we're going to pick, I don't know, five teams out of the bottom 18 teams at this point, and they're going to play. Those bottom five teams, in this case, the, the invited players to the Pro Tour. Yeah. Right? They're not there for a reason like why it's like you're inviting them almost to lose what do you what do you expect to gain out of this i i, I don't know you're talking to the wrong guy here i mean, i just i love the old pro tours like on with like the like when you can watch your favorite players sit down and play in paper i think i think that there's value there but i also do think there's value like that mythic invitational that they did once upon a time, where like sixty-four streamers and no. digital players, no, uh, I like I like the invitational aspect of it. Like it wasn't a pro tour; it was invitational, and I, I get like that. that. Like, yeah, but you, get, you you still have your competitive like pro stream that I think, but like you can have like this outlet for those those players that are streamers that aren't going to play in your pro tour stream. But still have something that where if the you know the the cro the croakies or the or the Caleb Durwalds or the heaven forbid the Jeff Hooglins of the world show up to play on this streamer like on your invitational, which I think would be cool to watch these people also play, but play on their on, on MTG Arena is also I find that also really interesting. I found that that a really engaging structure, you know, rather than the hybrid like moving the competitive players to arena which i didn't like i don't think it translates yeah i i no they need to move back to paper i'll agree yeah so i think like if you're but like i want to embrace the competitive or, or like the the high-end uh, like the digital player and give them an outlet but but okay now now here's the question when they when and if they make it back to paper magic who are you gonna invite you can't invite a uh a random streamer to come play paper magic. They've tried it, it doesn't work. Exactly. Like they day nine got invites and that was doesn't that it's not the same. Playing online no. is not at all the same. No, it's not. It's very much not. So you know, I uh I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I don't think I like it as well. I mean I I, I like the old Pro Tour. I like the old Pro yep. Tour uh and uh sort of in, the watching it i didn't like worlds the same way but i liked the pro tour i thought the pro tour was really 
really engaging to watch. Yeah, well, Worlds is, is a different aspect, right? Yeah, like, that's just the top of the Pro Tour. Yeah. It's it's not, yeah. Anyways, moving on. Okay, um, what's your thoughts on playing Is It Dax? You skipped one. I will skip that next one. I don't need that. Oh, yeah. Uh, is It Dax? Eh, I play him, but uh, not more than that. Like I, I break it out for something different because I have uh, my Izzet deck uh, is my red green draw counter burn by Lotus God. Um, so like I break it out if I want to play something different or if I'm just tired of the the, the group that I'm playing with and I just want to have some nonchalant non fun. Right, understood. But understood. Uh, I'm a Rakdos guy personally. Oh, you're a Rakdos guy. Yes. Interesting. Well, it's good to know because I mean, Lux and I made no bones of the fact that we're both, you know, pretty much green boy, green fanboys here. So that's uh, <laughs> yeah. been our thing. I'm still waiting for Lux's Nethroid deck that he's been promising since Ikoria dropped. That should be fun. I, I don't know. It could be. It could be really interesting. It could be. A, I don't know what Lux is going. Which direction Lux is going to take it? Maybe Lux will take it a whole bunch of directions all at once, just <laughs> for giggles. Just for giggles. Um, Ultra Pro or Dragon Shields. Dragon sleeve, uh, dragon shield sleeve of matte black, please. Oh, it's just it's so that's your thing. Yeah, so here's the thing I, I have 32 decks, right? Mm -hmm. That yes. are either built or in the process of being built. Yeah. At a certain point, shields start getting expensive. Yes. At a certain point of playing a deck, you need to resleeve your deck because uh, yes. they break, you know. Even Dragon Shields, they're not perfect. They're really good, but they're not perfect. Mm -hmm. So, if you try to stick to one type and one color, you can easily, like, oh, I'm just going to buy a box of matte blacks, sit them on my shelf, you know, bring them with me whenever I go play. Oh, I got a broken sleeve. Switch it out right away. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, yes, you might end up with a little bit of a, a color difference here and there, depending on the batch, but for the most part, they're pretty pretty decent on color. So, what I have, my decks are all color-coded, so I can tell them apart one from the next. So, I've got, I'm looking at my decks, like, blue, green, pink, white, black, uh, red, orange, brown, different shade of green. That one's got... What's that one? That one is uh, Autobots. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I hear you. I hear you. But, I mean, I like, I, I like to tell my decks apart, so I, uh, I have them sleeve in different colors. It also depends on how you have them stored, right? Like, yeah, I, I have all my decks stored in the, in the Stanley uh, clear top cases right, with, right. like, the yellow, the yellow squares that fit a deck perfectly. Yeah. And like, so... Uh, yeah, like those. Basically, yeah. a, converted, a converted like toolbox, right? Yeah. So I have all the commanders on top of the decks. So I just open that up, and it's like, which commander do I want to play? Right. So I could easily pick out what I want to play. Cool. Cool. Um, what's your thoughts for as breakfast for supper? Well, I like bacon, and French toast is my favorite meal. So anytime, any day, absolutely. Cool. Uh, so let's flip the tables like supper for breakfast. Uh, I was a university student, so having cold pizza for breakfast was a routine. Yes. And, <laughs> okay. 
Do you have <laughs> okay? So I know people who have to warm up their pizza the next morning and eat. Oh no, I'm I'm absolutely I like my food cold. Uh, there leftover, we go. Leftover macaroni with like meat and like sauce in it. Oh, yeah. cold all the way. Like yeah. not like I can't do it like fridge cold. I like, no, like, like yeah, yeah. lukewarm, you know, like I'll throw right. it in the microwave for like 30 seconds or even like 45 seconds and just like cut that chill off and then I'm yeah. good. Yeah, no, for sure. I, 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 I agree with you. Heat, heat is 100% optional. 100% optional. I had a piece of meatloaf for breakfast this morning. <laughs> That's another one I like to do for breakfast. Apparently, I'm a monster. So, my so said my children. They're like, Daddy, you're eating meatloaf. I'm like, Yup, get out. Get I over don't it. see a problem with that. Nah, they'll, they'll get to a point in their life where they want meatloaf for breakfast as well. Yeah, there we go. All right, let's move on to segment three. We've been talking a long time. We have a lot, good, long, good long show tonight. You got a lot of listening to folks. All right, so we're going to go through five cards under five bucks that we, uh, I think you should be playing. Uh, and I'll be honest, three of them I think are excellent. And two are probably a little understated. So uh, let's get to business. So first off, I've got Academy Manufactor, which is getting awfully close to five bucks, um, but isn't. Yeah, quite it's getting yet. up there, eh? Holy yeah. world! Like, look at that! Like, almost well, three fifty-four bucks. Yep. Um. So three mana, artifact creature, assembly worker. It's a one-three, but it says, and this is the just all the text you want to read. If you would create a clue, food, or treasure token, instead create one of each. Wow, this I, is. This I think it's good. Bad. I think it's I, good. Now, this card is terrific. Obviously, it's it tends to have more niche applications, and I think the price is slightly inflated due to how much we see cards with either clues, food, or tokens currently in in, in standard meta, which is why I think like you're seeing a lot more of this um, once, but then again, we're always going to see clues and treasures in almost every set. Probably. Uh, well, I think, I think wizards has decided that they like treasure as being um, a way to allow all five colors to ramp without breaking the color pie. Yeah. So I'm firmly convinced that this is going to stick around and is not going anywhere. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so, treasure being a thing that's going to be going to remain, I also think they like the idea of clue tokens because they recognize people need to draw cards, and this is a, a, a again an inoffensive way to make people be able to draw cards. Yep. So I think those two mechanics are going to stick around, um, and I think they're probably going to like we're going to see particularly the the. The clue mechanic, I think, pop up in other sets where we hadn't seen them previously. Uh, so I think this card is a, is a terrific inclusion because it just it does exactly what you want it to do, as in gives you all these easily sacrificable per permanents that since Battle for Zendikar, Wizards has been on a real kick of giving us this sort of token that you can sack for stuff. So we had the Scions in Battle for Zendikar. We then got Clue Tokens. And then we got Treasures in Ixalan. And then we got Food in, in Eldraine. And ever since, they've realized these are effects that we like. They're great because they all have like the self 
Like you don't need a sacrifice outlet to to, to essentially to make use of them. And so a academy manufacturer is just going to be playing into all those strategies super duper well. Um, and Artifact is just super good. Um, so, you know, it's, you're going to play it. Like this plus, like, imagine this plus Dockside Extortionist. And like, you're like, there you go, you're sold. Like, who wouldn't want that? That's fair. Like, but who would... Dockside Extortionist is not a, a $5 card. No, it's 50 <laughs> Yeah, there's um, a... There's there's a reason on its own why it's so expensive. Oh, yeah, at, at, at a point, at a point though, you gotta also realize like, Dockside Extortionist plus Academy Manufacturer is that just a win more? You know? Oh, probably. It, it, is it like that good if it would be without it? You know? It's always no, something I, to I think mean, about. You you do need to set up your Academy Manufacturer to be to be good, right? You absolutely, yeah. you absolutely do. But like, I don't think it's hard. It doesn't take much. Like, there's a number of like a whole bunch of different ways you can do it. Whether it's like Prosper would be an academy manufacturer, our best friends. Yeah, that's fair. Like so, like I think this card is 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 like really good. Uh, it shows up in like 6900x. I just pulled pulled up the EDH rec stats, which like are good stats. But considering this is an artifact, like it could literally go in like hundreds of thousands of decks. Um, I'm pretty okay with. Uh, play pattern and it being available at under five bucks so go get it folks um playing along with our dear friend academy manufacturer i have aetherworks marble and this one i think people sleep on it and so i was on another podcast last week and i talked about aetherworks marble and the more i talk about it the more i'm like i want more of these because with all those clue tokens or treasure tokens or food tokens that you've been making when they get sacrificed, they they trigger that the clause on Aetherworks Marvel that says whenever a permanent you control is put into a graveyard, you get an energy. And then by the time you hit six energy, you get to spin the top. Like it isn't it doesn't take much to pop six treasures, and and then you're like not only you're casting a six mana spell, but you've now got the t- chance to cast something else gross off the top of your deck with your Aetherworks Marvel, and again. Wizards have given us all those things to sack. Aetherworks Marvel is a great payoff for having all those things to sack. There's... I think Aetherworks Marvel, I'll agree, is is an underrated card. I I, I feel there's a lot of combos that can easily benefit this. You know, like, there's there's a Gravecrawler combo where you can bring it back from Graveyard all the time. Uh, Like, that just fantastic with this you just gain like an infinite amount of to- uh, energy now you you pair that with you know if we still would have had paradox engine in the in, in oh. legal and edh oh, you know man. it'd be really nice yes uh yes but we don't like no we do not <laughs> good end, but that's for that's for a different podcast at a different time yeah i, yes. I agree either marvel is definitely an underrated card I yeah I I I can't say enough good about it I, and it, as a dollar thirty folks yep that's I know people have like, get like a bad taste in their mouth from having watched it do too many cast too many Ulamogs yeah. um in standard but oh man uh, I'm not gonna lie I've cast Ulamog off it in commander and it feels fantastic <laughs> yep 
Uh, up next, I had Adriana, Captain of the Guard, which is a really interesting Boros Commander, which is a three red white for a 4 4 legendary creature, Human Knight, with melee. Well, it says whenever this creature attacks, it gets plus one plus one until end of turn for each opponent you attacked with a creature this turn. Sorry, this combat. And then it also has other creatures you control have melee. So all your critters get them. So you get to like stack a melee trigger on top of melee trigger, and that sounds like fun. So, so yeah, go ahead. Hold on, let me. Because Adriana is a card that I've never really seen personally. Like, I believe I own one because I own, I buy every commander deck ever. So I for sure own one of them. But I don't think it's a card I've ever really seen play. Um, so at the most, your creatures are going to get plus three, plus three. Right? Uh, Unless they have more yeah. than one instant of melee. Yes. I'm just trying to wrap you're, in. You're, 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 you're going to get more, for instance. Like, so if you attack with six, you have Adriana attacking plus two others. Yeah. Right? So you're attacking all three of your opponents. Uh, Adriana is going to trigger, and, and so and it's going to get plus one, plus one, because you attack all those other, you know, because the original melee. Yeah. But then all your other creatures have melee two. So every creature would get plus three, plus three. Yeah. If you attacked each of your opponents. Yes. I'm just trying to wrap my head around if it's worth if it's worth it or not. I guess in something like a Boros token deck, go wide, it's probably fine. Um I don't know. Personally I'm not I'm not high on this one myself. See, I've managed to trigger it and it makes a pile of small things like your um Garrison from Gatecrash. Uh, Garrison from Gatecrash. There's the, the red, white, and shaman that makes a soldier every turn. You put a counter on it. And oh, um... You know which one I'm talking about, though. Han, uh, not yeah. Han, Hanmir Garrison? No, it's not Hanmir Garrison. It is some, Assemble the Legion. That's the one. Assemble the Legion. So, like... With <laughs> you were so far off! I know, I know, but it's just... Uh, so, Assemble the Legion... Um, is like with with like you know you make a bunch of tokens and you're looking for some way to to, to leverage having a pile of one ones, and you put Adriana and you slap slap a sword on her or slap something so she is hard to target and kill her and give her haste and then you go to work and it's overrun plus like just nastiness so um yeah no I'm a I'm a big believer in Adriana I've seen her do some really gross things uh, and stomp a mud hole in people. So, um, I, like, at 58 cents, like, I think people should take, if you're playing Boros, you should be taking a risk on her. Um, Bor either Boros equipment or Boros tokens, and uh, I think you're not going to be disappointed by what the, the net result here, because here you get your, your red-white overrun effect that uh, you didn't get because you're not playing green. I definitely think more tokens than it would be Voltron, though. I agree, but I think it, it ends up the only reason it, equip, it fits into equipment because I, I, the Commander twenty deck, twenty twenty deck is listed in here is the Wyleth deck. Um, yeah, and it's and that's by virtue of the fact that you can get equipment that gives it haste or a creature or gives it evasion of some sort, and so now your seven seven, um, Adriana is 
like slipping by and smashing face and making people cry. So, um, it's like every other Boros deck, it's prone to getting board wiped, um, which is always the drawback with a Boros deck. It's just prone to dying, which I don't have a way to beat. <laughs> like, like, okay, look, like, there's only so many times you can pass to make a stand or a Boros charm or whatever else to protect your things from the removal package that's coming. But yep. if you can make good when the going is good with Adriana and like really maximize the damage, you could maybe close somebody out, or now you get them bought. You get somebody in a position where now they make a need to make a deal with you, um, and so there's there's the, there's advantages in that way too. So I like it. I'm a big fan, and uh, would be encouraging people to give it a shot. I think you're gonna find that you you get pretty good mileage out of it. Uh, up next, I've got this one. I, I saw and it was, I was very, very curious about this on uh, called Boneyard Parlay, which was from Ixalan, but it also appears in a Commander 2019 deck. So it's five black black for a sorcery. Exile up to five target creature cards from graveyards. Notice any graveyard, not just a players. Any five creatures from graveyards. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put all cards from the pile of your choice onto the battlefield under your control and the rest into their owner's graveyards. Um, anytime I get the wording of like factor fiction on a card where people have choices to make, I'm a big fan. Um, Agreed. Yeah, choices are fun. Choices are fun and they, and it gives people a chance to uh, make bad choices. And I think that's <laughs> even better. So when someone misidentifies board state or you have something in hand that is different than what they think is going on and you take you snag the pile that they were like well i'm gonna put the three I, I want you to have that pile there and you're like no no i want to take the other one and they go what and then you like like yeah it's like cho- the whole choice game here which i like and it's going to result in some really interesting uh scenarios like what you choose to take from the pile uh, so I'm a big fan of it. Uh, the only part I do not like is that seven mana. That's yeah, the only part. That's what I was going to point out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm well aware. Don't care for it much. However, however, there are ways to uh, mitigate the cost of this. Oh, there absolutely. Was, there were that like, you play Goblin Electromancer. You play the the one from Strixhaven that like reduces the casting cost of things that are really expensive. Like, there's ways to mitigate this and make Boneyard Parlay be, you know, at five mana, I'm really in. Nowhere, actually, you say that. Nowhere I would play this. Where? In a Jota deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Because, you know, Jota makes all of your, uh, all of your spells cast Wooberg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you, you know, you get Wooberg out. And then, like, you get your Jota on the field. You know, stuff happens, whatever. Jota goes back to your command zone. You have Parlay sitting in your hand. Game goes on. You know, everybody loses some creatures. And then you just recast Jota and then just play Parlay for five. Yeah. I think that's doable. I, I That's where... But Jota's... Yeah, actually, Jota's five colors. I was like, Jota's not black. He can't play it. Come on, Wolf. Uh, Jota, um, Jota can do it. Jota's, Jota's, Jota's five colors. Uh, I definitely, I, I think now that I think of playing in Jota, I, it's definitely higher up on my list. Uh, but I, I believe there's a lot better choices oh, for reanimation, yeah, I, but 
I, I'll agree. It's a fun card. It's fun. Um, I think I think I think I'm looking at it from the fun angle. Yep. I love it more than the like the the, the, the that text where you get to people that people choose is a gap. In uh, um, embracing my inner Sona for a second, mm-hmm. I'll agree yeah. that it's it, it's cheap, jank, fun. Yeah, yeah, all those things. <laughs> all those things. And at forty cents, can't go wrong. Yep. Um, and then last but not least. This one I think is actually really good, and I think doesn't make doesn't get a lot of play. Lich's Mastery from uh, Dominaria. So three yep. black, black, black for legendary enchantment with hexproof. You can't lose the game. Whenever you gain life, draw that many cards. Whenever you lose life, for each one life you lose, you lost. Exile a permanent control or a card from your hand or graveyard. And then when Lich's Mastery leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. So very clearly, you don't want to like have it leave the battlefield, which is a bit concerning. And um, I can I start out by pointing out, yeah, the hexproof on this is incredibly huge. Yes, because first of all, a lot of people, from my from my point of view, anyways, tend to not play enough enchantment removal. Oh my god, yes. In most decks. Not 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 only is like most enchantment removal green, which limits you off the get-go. Don't get me wrong, there is some in other colors. Yes, everybody, I I know that. But for the most part, it's in green. Mm-hmm. So that limits you to one of the five colors for the most part. Now people just don't play enchantment removal. Which is which, since I built I have a uh, what do I have? I have a, a Salvala the Parlay one, uh, yes. enchantment deck. So it's like a Celestian enchantment deck. Right. And ever since I started playing that one, I started noticing how little enchantment removal people run. And it's actually made me like look at some cards and look at some decks and be like, do I want to cut something and put like you know maybe an austere command if I'm running white or you know uh, I don't tranquility. know tranquility yeah tranquility. yeah. Just is it worth doing that just in case I do run into something like Lich's Mastery? You know, that's a little bit harder. Um, obviously, what is it? What's the six mana destroy all permanent hour of reckoning? Is it? Um, hour of reckoning. Let me go have a look. I don't know. No, no, it's not hour of reckoning. Destroy all broken creatures. No, it's hour of devastation. Oh, that's the green one. The green one is... Hour of Devastation's red. Oh, yes. Finale. Hour of Revelation. Hour of Revelations. That's the one I'm thinking of. It's uh, three white, white, white. The spell costs three less to cast. If there's ten or more non-land permanents on the battlefield, destroy all non-land permanents. That's, ah. that's, that's a card that I tend to run a lot more of nowadays. Especially... Mm-hmm. In EDH decks, because for the most part, there will be a lot of permanents on the field, whether that's mana rocks, you know, or or enchantments like Lich's Mastery, uh, you know, if you're playing against a Sapperling de- or a token deck, sorry, you'll you'll get, yeah. you know, there's our reckoning probably gonna cost you white 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 to destroy all non-land permanents, kind of good. Yeah, Anyways. no, I that's, that's that's actually a really great pick on your end. Um, Coming back to Lich's Mastery, though. Well, like Lich's Mastery has got its place anyway. So, like, I mean, I I'm a big fan of Lich's Mastery. I've got it, I run it in a Regna and Krav um, 
token-y, life-gain-y deck. Yep. And it's just, you draw a mitt full of cards off of it, and then you close the game out. Um, and the losing life is not such a big deal, because you have tokens everywhere to sack. So, you know, you don't really care. You're like, oh, I'll sack a token, or I'll exile this Evolving Wilds in my graveyard, or whatever. But, like, just there's so many power, so many cards you can draw off of the life gain with Lich's Mastery that I think it's worth the 23 cents you invest um, in buying a copy. I just thought of something I almost wanted to brew now. Oh, yeah. I almost, well, actually, it's, it's kind of partially brewed. Um, I kind of want to brew a blue-black self-mill life gain deck. Ah, yes. Focus around, like, play stuff like Lich's Mastery to, gain, to, to draw you the cards, but then mm-hmm. run, like, your Labmans and your Jaces and and your thoughts of the Oracle, obviously, so that yes. when you when you empty your library, you you can win. <laughs> yes, and not yes. just die, uh, which which could be fun. I'm just trying it's to deep. think of like, at which point is the life gain? Like, obviously for this point though, you you gotta gain life to draw the card. Yes. So at which point do you find a place to throw in? Because you're you're at that point setting in like two different themes into a deck into a deck, and it's like. Why would you run 50-50? You run 60-40? Do you even run life gain? Like, is it worth putting this in? Um, yeah, I don't know. My brain just went off on a tangent again. But yeah, I, I would definitely run Legends Mastery. I think it's an underplay card in, in life gain decks. Black life gain. Big, big fan of it. So yeah. Yep. Anyway, those are my five cards there, folks. You should be um, going to go find them and dig them out. So, I guess it's going to bring us to, like, show and tell, uh, where <laughs> we have a deck. And, folks, yep. you're going to see this, this deck in the show notes, and you're going to say, this isn't like it normally is, and you're absolutely correct. This one is Wowo's uh, personal uh, joy. I'm going to guess it's a labor of love. Yeah, you could say that. I don't actually, uh, ha- I'll admit, I don't actually have this built in paper. Oh no! No, I don't. This is uh, uh, this is a deck case. So, and I I ended up putting. I'm gonna put out an article on the site about this deck. So, if this gets if this uh, podcast goes out before the article does, you guys are getting a sneak peek. Um. So something I really really like to do, which is kind of what we just did with Lich's Mastery, it, and which I talked about way long ago in this podcast, almost probably an hour ago now. Uh, I, I like to I like to push myself in building decks and brewing decks, and um, can't remember a long time ago somebody either on Twitter or YouTube said uh, something that really stuck to me. They said, "Go into your into your into your boxes, you know, the box you just got sitting around, or you know your rare binder, whatever it is. Flip through a random page, pull out a random card, or if it's a box, just pull out a random card." Look at that card and tell yourself, how can I build a deck around this card? You know? And that's yeah. what I did with this deck. So I like to go on Scryfall because I'm too lazy to actually go pick a card out of a box. <laughs> <laughs> the internet's right in front of me, so use it to your advantage, right? Uh, I went on Scryfall the one day and I uh, hit the random button, kind of like what we do in in, in uh, Good or Not, or whatever that was called earlier. Uh... And I landed upon Eon Hub, a artifact for five generic mana that simply says players skip 
Their upkeep, upkeep step, sorry. I almost said unkeep. Uh, oh. Players skip their upkeep steps. So this intrigued me because, you know, the upkeep is one of the integral three first parts of the turn. You know, untap, upkeep, draw. That's the three first parts when you're teaching somebody that's like what you started teaching them. So I, oh, I thought to myself, God. I'm like, how do I take advantage of people skipping their untaps? Upkeep, sorry. Not their untap, their upkeep. And oh, a mechanic... Yeah. An old school mechanic came to mind. And it obviously Bruce knows what, what that is because he's looked at the deck. But, cumulative upkeep. It is, is, I went to that and I was like, absolutely freaking lootly. Because cumulative upkeep gets worse and worse as long as the card's on the battlefield. But if you're skipping your upkeep, the card is just there. There's no mm. price to pay. Yeah. If you think about it, Mystic Remora. That's a, it's a, a 12 almost probably $15 card at this point. That has seen immense amount of EDH play over the years. Mm -hmm. The main drawback to it is his cumulative upkeep. Yes. Right? Yeah. What if you didn't have to pay? It sounds delightful. Right? Or uh, stuff like uh, uh, where else? What else did I have in here? Um, a glacial chasm. Right. Pay two life and, and, and all damage to you is reduced to zero. But if you don't have to pay the two life, you just get a glacial chasm on the battlefield. Nobody could attack you anymore. Uh, there's some, there's some super interesting cards like elephant, elephant grass, black creatures can't attack you, non-black, uh, can't attack you if their, if their controller doesn't pay two. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You know, another interesting aspect of not having to pay your upkeep that makes cards real good. Mm -hmm. Pact of negation. Slaughter oh, pact. Yeah. yeah. You can't lose the game if you don't have your upkeep to pay. All the packs, yeah. Right? Um, there's other stuff like Echo that you could take advantage of. Right. I have Deranged Hermit in this deck. Um, or, or like uh, an old school card from... What's the, what's the book symbol one? Is that Tempest? Um, I don't remember. Either way. Uh, a card called Barrel Ghoul. It's one... A generic and a black for a 4 4. Right? That's pretty good. Yeah. But during your upkeep, you got to remove the top card of your graveyard from the game or you bury it. Well, if you don't have to remove the card from the graveyard, you just get a 2 2 for 4. So obviously, this, obviously this deck isn't fine tuned. Yeah. Um, it could use some, some cards probably to get Eon Hub out of the deck better. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I like it. I w it's once I finish building all the decks I have built, uh, it's it's gonna get see some play. I'm gonna build it and see some play. Uh, if ever you guys uh, have any opinions, you know, card suggestions, whatever, either let me know or throw them in the comments on Tapped Out. And yeah, it's just a really really fun deck to build that I cool. that I had fun building. And I'm going to be doing more of this, like, pushing myself to build around a random card. Nice. I like it. I'm looking forward to more of that, too. That looks like a lot of fun. 
All right, uh, we're gonna move because we've been having a late one tonight, so let's go move to our our wrap up here, folks, and then we'll uh, let let, let what will we'll go on his way. Um, so with the giveaway, folks, um, we you have until uh, this weekend, so Halloween, to get your name in. So the way you get your name entered into the into the draw for our pack of MH two is you uh, proceed to when the when I post the show on Twitter, you need to like the show. Retweet the show and use the hashtag at sorry hashtag epic exp cast. All right, so that's how I know you've entered it and got the word a little bit further. We're out here each and every week talking magic for you guys. So uh, that's our uh, that is how you get yourself entered into the win uh, to win the win the show or win the pack. I mean, so please get said the word, like, retweet, hashtag it, and away we go. I, uh, uh, hold on, before you go get get too far away from the giveaway, Okay. I am gonna spice things up a bit. Oh. Uh, I'm gonna throw in, uh, so, for all of you that don't know, I'm a, also a pack collector. I like collecting sealed packs. It's just something that I do. So, okay. I have, like, 200 sitting in front of me right now. Oh my gosh. So, I am going to throw in, for the fun of it, which I will mail to Bruce tomorrow, and then, you know, he could send it off to whoever wants it. Or whoever wins. Sure. Uh, I'm going to throw in a uh, Time Spile Remastered pack into this. Oh, very nice. Yep. Well, thank you. So now that there's the, the, it's been, the pot has been sweetened. There is a yep. MH2 pack and a pack of Time Spiral Remasters. But that's fantastic. So extra reason to, to get yourself into the draw. So like it, retweet it, hashtag it. With, their, with the hashtag, hashtag epic EXP cast. All right, so thank you very much to WoWo for that generous, generous contribution to the giveaway pile. That is fantastic. Um, so while we're on the topic, WoWo, if people wanted to reach out to you on the internet, how would someone get a hold of you? So other than coming to find me in the Discord or uh, on the, the Lotus Council uh, Twitter page, which is at the Lotus Council on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at uh, at Seb Blackwell, which is my last name, or uh, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash wowot, W-O-W-O-T. <laughs> I had to think for a minute. I was like, ah. And yeah, that's where you'll find me. Uh, no, no promises on me answering you at, you know, ungodly hours or right away. Uh, when I'm up in Nunavut, we don't have great internet, so yeah. All good, all good, my friend. Um, if you like, if you want to reach out to us here on the show, you can email us, and the, the email address is going to be in the show notes down below. But you can follow, you can find us at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com or if you want to hit us up on Twitter, where uh, is probably the most direct route to getting in touch with me is at epic exp cast that is our twitter handle of course you can always jump into the lowest council discord the link is also in the show notes and you can join us there and then hit up uh, hit, hit us all up and see who's there if you like the deck um this week will not be on moxfield but uh the link will be live on the show if you like our decks that we brew here on the show you can check us out on moxfield.com and please be sure to check out the username the epic experiment podcast all one word uh, no spaces or anything like that. Or uh, you can find us on all your favorite uh, 
podcast applications to, to check it out. So Podbean, iTunes, Google Play. Um, we are on Amazon as well, Spotify, and also, of course, thelotuscouncil.com. Um, can't wait for next week where we're going to be hopefully have Lux back to join us. And I think some Crimson Vow previews are coming down the pipe soon. Yep. So we've got some of that, I'm sure, on deck come next week. But until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off. Wishing you all the best wherever you next play next. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a good week. See ya.